Okay, I, I'm going to introduce the program, give a little background to the subject, and then Yvonne, I will introduce you and we can start our conversation. So, welcome to What the F is Going On in Latin America and the Caribbean, Code Pink's weekly YouTube program of hot news out of the region. In partnership with Friends of Latin America, Massachusetts Peace Action, and Task Force on the Americas, we broadcast every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Code Pink YouTube Live. Since 2017, the private Portuguese bank Novo Banco has withheld roughly 2 billion U.S. dollars belonging to the Venezuelan state's economic and social development bank known as Bandes, B-A-N-D-E-S. Bandes is requesting that Novo Banco transfer roughly 25 million U.S. of the 2 billion directly to the Pan American Health Organization to pay for emergency medical supplies for the Venezuelan people. These supplies include polio vaccines, yellow fever medicine, and thousands of syringes to address a critical shortage in the country. The government of Venezuela directed Bondis to apply for a transfer of funds from its accounts in Novo Banco to the Pan American Health Organization as of 22 July. These funds were temporarily frozen, but recently have been unblocked by Portuguese legal authorities, and yet Novo Banco has issued no response to the Venezuelan request. To talk more with us about this disturbing and criminal withholding of funds is Ivan Hill, Vice Minister of Europe of the People's Power Ministry for Foreign Relations. Welcome, Ivan. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you with us. I'm, I'm shocked when I read this to our audience that we've got yet another case of, of, of a bank um, holding um, assets of Venezuela. And so we, of course, have to talk more about that. But I wonder if you could give us um, a brief history um, about Novo Banco, because they have a very controversial history and, and a very controversial current day ownership as well. So perhaps we can start with who is Novo Banco or what is Novo Banco? Hello, can you hear me? Good afternoon, good evening. Thank you for this interview. Novo Banco. Well, this is a story of a financial infamy, of a political infamy, of a bank financial structure that decided to break with its commitment of protecting the resources that were deposited there based uh, on ideological reasons. This is a Portuguese uh, bank, as you well explained, that was born after the bankruptcy of the Espiritu Santo Bank. The Espiritu Santo Bank it was a bank that due to mismanagement and corruption issues went bankrupt, leaving thousands of uh, people without access to their funds and among them many Venezuelan 
institutions that are present in Portugal. Back then, the Hugo Chavez government had started a cooperation agreement with Portugal because Portugal was undergoing a period of economic instability and required to reactivate its industry. So many projects took place in the fields of technology, of a computer for children, the so-called Canaimitas, within the framework of the Magallanes project, uh, oil tankers and other ships were ordered by Venezuela to Portugal. So there was an intense activity of cooperation between the two nations. And for that purpose, several funds were sent to Portuguese institutions and among them, the Banco do Espírito Santo. And so funds from the Fondem and Banco X and PDVSA were sent to Portugal. So many Venezuelan institutions sent funds to Portugal because there was a very close uh, cooperation activity between the Venezuelan institutions and Portuguese institutions. So out of the bankruptcy of uh, the Espiritu Santo Bank, Venezuela suffered several losses and Novo Banco was born. So several financial operations were migrated and at the beginning things worked well and the Portuguese institutions provided a timely response and guaranteed the funds deposited by the Venezuelan institutions. But after the attack within the framework of the unilateral coercive measures started and the Donald Trump attacks against the Venezuelan state and a process of fund Freezing starts at Novo Banco. Even a process of uh, slowing down the financial transactions of the Venezuelan government to pay medical supplies and technologies and to honor the commitments with the Portuguese companies. So a process of sabotage starts against Venezuelan transactions in Novo Banco, which also combines by a purchase of shares of Novo Banco by a United States equity fund. And the situation worsens even more with the self proclaim as president of a Venezuelan congressman that before TV cameras, this person decided to self-proclaim himself as a president of uh, Venezuela. And after that, the government of the United States and uh, specifically Trump's administration recognizes him as president, deciding to ignore the political will of Venezuelans that have elected President Maduro. And after that, in the European Union, 
they decided to follow the actions of the U.S., maybe afraid of this imposition made by Donald Trump. So in Europe, they started to uh, ignore the government uh, of Venezuela and to recognize this puppet of the U.S. that they didn't even know the name. After this, this uh, Novo Banco takes advantage of the situation and decides to uh, not recognize uh, the ownership of the Venezuelan institutions on the deposits. Look, the account holders are Venezuelan institutions, it's not the government. So these funds and the deposits are not signed by President Maduro or a minister. No, these funds belong to public institutions of Venezuela, such as PDVSA, Fonden, Banco X, that have legitimate authorities that are even currently conducting successful transactions in Europe and doing trade in Europe. But Novo Banco said, well, since the Portuguese government does not know who is the president, we're going to freeze these uh, assets. So it's an infamy because the Portuguese government uh, recognizes the Venezuelan institutions such as uh, Banco X, uh, Bandes or PDVSA. And Venezuelan institutions have not been questioned. And the chairperson of PDVSA is the one to sign the document. So there are legal excuses that are used to throw, to freeze uh, Venezuelan assets. So a discussion, a debate started between the board of directors of Novo Banco and the Portuguese government. When we were speaking to the Portuguese government, they were saying, well, this is a decision of the bank of the European Central Bank and of the regulations of the bank. And we were, were speaking to the board of directors of the bank. They said, well, I cannot do this because the Portuguese government is uh, telling me to do this or that. So we didn't know who was telling the truth. And we were receiving two completely different versions of reality. So the process evolved, we saw that uh, Guaido became a nefarious character uh, of our history and Novo Banco insisted in using excuses not to give us access to our resources. And the last thing they said was that they were freezing these funds, not because they didn't know who was the president, because that, that argument cannot be sustained further. But they said that they didn't know what was the legal origin of these funds, which is clearly absurd because the origin of these funds is basically that these funds were in the bank that went bankrupt after corruption issues, the Espiritu Santo Bank, and were transferred to Novo Banco. So it's impossible that Novo Banco that was born with these resources, now 
are presenting these excuses with regards to the origin of the funds. So what we see here is a piracy operation, a theft operation, a confiscation of resources that belong to Venezuelans and that the board of directors of Novobanco, following I don't know which instructions, insist to keep these uh, resources uh, frozen. The Venezuelan government has started legal action in the Portuguese courts in Lisbon in order so that the rights over these deposits can be reestablished to the Venezuelan institutions so that the Venezuelan government is able to purchase medical supplies, medicines, and all the necessary equipment to combat the pandemic. So we're talking about 1,600 million euros deposited in Novo Banco in several accounts, apart from the interests uh, obtained in the last year. So this money could help us to solve many of the issues that Venezuelans face and that uh, due to the denial of a financial institutions, we cannot have access to these resources. The most worrisome element of uh, this whole situation is the damage inflicted upon Venezuelans that cannot access to food or medicine or have to conduct uh, bigger efforts to access these uh, resources and also on the credibility of the capitalism because they capitalism does not have clear rules and they don't follow capitalistic ethical principles because they simply don't exist. They act only following ideological reasons. Capitalism always says that the left gives priority to pragmatism and ideology, but the reality shows otherwise. Capitalism does not follow clear rules for the protection of funds and the same happens to us with the gold that was deposited in the United Kingdom. So there's no trust. No country in the world can trust in these uh, banks of Europe or the US because arbitrarily their funds can end up being confiscated by the incumbent uh, government just due to ideology reasons. So. This is how serious the problem is and the negative precedent that may be created. We do hope, and we have spoken about this with the legal Portuguese institutions and with the Portuguese government, we have emphasized that it's necessary to reestablish order, to reestablish trust, and so that uh, common sense can prevail, because this is incredible. How come you put money in a financial institution and then the next day when you go to the bank, the owner of the bank decides who's the owner of these resources without any legal grounds? So I think the first thing to do is to denounce before the world how irrational capitalism is when it comes to uh, deal with emerging countries' resources they uh, have decided to steal this money due to ideological reasons. Yeah, it's a, it is a form of, of 
of robbing a nation's wealth and piracy on the high seas and all forms of stolen assets. Um, I think our audience is probably most familiar with the case of the Venezuelan gold sitting in the Bank of London that um, the Bank of London will not repatriate to Venezuela. I wonder, um, the, the story is just fascinating to me that the, the bank, the structure of the bank itself, just for our audience, so it's very clear that Novo Banco in, uh, I believe it was 2017, 75% um, of the bank in 2017 became owned by a US private equity firm called Lone Star and 25% of the bank remains in the resolution fund, I believe that's managed by the Bank of Portugal. And so that 25% is what is what is managed and controlled and under jurisdiction of the, of the government of Portugal. And yet the vast majority of the bank's ownership is a private equity firm in the United States. And so I think everybody uh, in the audience can understand what, um, Probably the greatest probably the greatest hindrance in dispersing these funds is is the private equity firm in the U.S. I have two questions regarding the, the ownership structure of the bank and how it, it could possibly be uh, affecting distribution. One, what uh, what sort of um, impact could the U.S. Treasury have, OFAC have, on the US, uh, Lone Star, the private U.S. private equity fund, if it releases funds. However, the funds are not designated to be released to Venezuela. The funds are supposed to go directly to the Pan American Health Organization in Brazil in the Brazilian currency. So there will be no the funds would not in any way travel through Venezuela. It would go directly to Brazil in Brazilian currency. So how do, how do we work around this? Well, you uh, explained pretty well this in the question. We're talking about resources and assets that belong to Venezuelans that cannot be confiscated by a bank. And with this, I would like to make a brief introduction and to make clear that we have not considered the possibility of questioning who's the real owner of uh, these uh, resources. We are. And there are unexplainable situations derived from this. So we have uh, said that these resources are going to be used to pay vaccines against COVID and also to pay food. We have said that these resources are necessary to uh, solve many of the problems we have faced. However, the Bolivarian government Regardless of this uh, situation, we have been able to uh, do our job. And fortunately, the Chavez government has created a diversified financial structure in order to successfully face uh, these type of threats. The critical issue here is that we are in a complicated situation of a pandemic 
And as you well said, in other systems, these uh, threats have not been tackled, even counting with the resources, but in the case of Venezuela, even under the siege we are facing, we have been able to cope with these situations successfully. So part of the lack of uh, reasoning and the whole entanglement of this uh, Novobanco situation and its impact at the world and the regional level are indescriptable because these are situations derived from political lack of uh, reasoning of these uh, people. Of Novobanco belongs to a U.S. equity fund, as you said, and the other 25% is still being discussed in the Portuguese justice system. Because remember, there was an intervention of the Espiritu Santo Bank. However, the bailout provided by the Portuguese government to this bank clearly surpassed the actual value of the bank and even the deposits in the bank. So on a frequent basis, the Portuguese government uh, provides bailout to this bank. So clearly, these US uh, owners of the bank are receiving a direct subsidy of the Portuguese government to keep it running. So capital has no borders. So how does this take place? And how? On the other side, the socialist uh, system that aims at protecting citizens is successful, even with the lack of resources. But in the case of capitalism, what they want to get a hold of the resources of the people. This is a simple but a complex explanation. At the same time, capitalism does not protect people, just protects uh, elites and their capacity of creating more resources of uh, robbing with impunity. Instead, the socialist system, even in the light of difficulties, looks forward to protecting people. And we're seeing this after the pandemic. We have seen that we continue to face difficulties where we are scaling in the protection of people. The Venezuelan Bolivarian government has always uh, protected people, even if we have uh, undergone several uh, resources taken away from uh, us. But in the capitalism, there is a lack of equality. Now, when um, before we st before we went live with this with um, our conversation, we were talking about how this extrajudicial, extra financial reach of the United States banking system, um, the control of the global economy with the US dollar and the overnight swift banking system. And we've had several episodes of our program that have led to this conversation. And most recently, uh, the case of Alex um, Saab. And just as an example of that extrajudicial reach of the United States, 
and control the, the things that he's gone through to work around the sanctions and control of the U.S. financial system. And it's just it's just one thing after uh, another that we're witnessing between piracy on the high seas, stealing Iranian oil on its way to Venezuela, to taking uh, not repatriating Venezuela gold, and now and now this. And so how? I mean, I know I know you're going to tell me we have to change the system, and we'll ch- tell the whole audience that we have to change the system <laughs> because. Every, I mean, every day we're seeing one more thing, one more thing. So what, how can our audience learn more about this, this particular case in Portugal right now? I also should just reiterate that the Portugal government does not recognize Juan Guaido as president of Venezuela. They recognize President Nicolas Maduro. How, um, how can the audience find more out or learn more about this case? Is there a website that they can go to or uh, an activist site? And also, I think it's really important um, if you can share your social media um, handles with us this evening so that our audience can follow you because you um, are, are so well-versed on all of this and, and, and it's your work, of course. So you're a great resource for our audience. You said this, uh, well, currently the discussion is not who the Portuguese uh, government recognizes as president or not, and we have received support by the Portuguese uh, government and people. That's not the debate in Venezuela. We have strived and struggled that, uh, to show that the only factor that can recognize a government or not in Venezuela is the Venezuelan people. We are not requesting the recognition from any government. It's their duty. The Venezuelan government is one and has been recognized by the Venezuelan people. In the case of Novo Banco, well, we're seeing is that being used as a political weapon, as an ideological weapon, in order to twist the will of people. And precisely it's there where we have developed two lines of action. The first is to activate all the denunciation mechanisms at all level with the social mobilization, we have received a great deal of support by the Portuguese grassroots movements and the Portuguese left because they are precisely questioning the behavior of the Portuguese financial system in their attempt to block the Venezuelan resources. And on the other hand, we are working in the legal uh, field. And you may wonder, if how come are we resorting to a legal system in a country where Venezuelan resources are being illegally taken away or confiscated? How can we trust the, the how can we trust a Portuguese legal system in order to regain access to our resources? These are two dimensions that we're working in. 
But the legal field is very important because still we believe that even in under capitalism, we are seeing an absurd application of unilateral coercive measures and the use of the bank with political purposes. We see and we hope that this can be settled in the justice system and that the ruling will take place in favor of the Venezuelan people and the reflection that people need to do is the following. Freedom of the people cannot be questioned and no coercive unilateral measure should be implemented affecting resources that belong to people. Now, I cannot reveal at this point any details of this legal process because it's still taking place. However, I can convey to you this message. We are moving forward in a positive manner. So, the dialogues taking place in Mexico precisely create a political climate of movement towards the normalization of uh, the situation. And we will see that this uh, ridiculous role that some members of the European political class uh, decided to follow and it became also evident the support of uh, friends that has been essential for Venezuela to overcome difficulties. Wow. <laughs> this I, I should share with you, Yvonne, that um, I currently live in Mexico City. Um, I arrived here a year ago, September of 2020, actually. So it's been quite something to um, to be here with the Venezuelan dialogue occurring and also with the CELAC summit um, on Saturday the 18th. That was quite powerful as well. So a, a lot of things, um, a lot of things happening in the Americas right now. And, and Venezuela and Venezuela um, setting the, the course for many of it, many of the changes coming. And we're also those, I will say for those of us here in Mexico, we also have to really um, thank um, President Lopez Obrador for his foreign policy vision um, for the Americas, uh, Latin America and the Caribbean. It's, it's quite profound and um, he's really been a, um, a tremendous visionary and, and leader in bringing everyone to the table and trying to find, build a unified Latin America Caribbean bloc. And so we're all pretty excited about that. And we, we, um, we look for Venezuela to help us get there in, in a unified America. So I wanna, um, before I let you go, I wanna mention to our audience that um, on Thursday, there's a global day of action that um, 
um, activists in the in the European Union are calling for. And let me just tell all of you a little bit about this. So it's on Thursday, September uh, 30th at 9 a.m. UTC, a continental coalition of members of European Parliament led by our friends, uh, Mick Wallace and Claire Daly, uh, will release a letter to Novo Banco CEO Antonio Rahamalo. And the letter says, opens, we the undersigned urge you to act in accordance with international law on this matter of extreme urgency. They will write in part. Uh, to accompany the letter, um, activists have secured coverage in The Intercept and Sabato. And in addition, they will be releasing a grassroots petition directed at Novo Banco with the aim of 100,000 signatures calling to end this crime. And of course, this robbing, as Yvonne has said, of Venezuelan assets, the treasure of the American people, is directly related to the unilateral course of measures initiated by the United States. So Yvonne, Thank you so much for joining us this evening. It's an honor to meet you, a pleasure talking with you. I hope that you can come back and um, talk more with us about this case as we watch it progress. And um, is there anything that you would like to tell our audience before we, we say goodbye? First of all, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. I believe that we need to keep resisting that's the message that we are sharing. We have uh, been resisting and now we are uh, doing the Venezuelan Bolivarian offensive to regain access to our resources. And more than ever, we require the solidarity of the grassroots movements and the militants of the fair causes of the world. I think these spaces need to be preserved and we need to intensify our work uh, the letter, for example, that was uh, sent by grassroots movements to Novo Banco that aims at showing that people condemn these unfortunate attitudes of capitalism, of this current savage capitalism as it was called by the Vatican. And that needs to disappear. And so this radio broadcast and this recording, that letter that uh, was sent by the European militants is part of the path that we have to go through. Venezuela is going to overcome all these difficulties thanks to you, thanks to the people that have mobilized, that always believed in the Venezuelan people and in the revolutionary government. And we're going to need this solidarity forever. We have to work together. Thank you very much for for, for, for your invitation, for, for, for this opportunity. Uh, I'm very happy to, to, to share with you uh, this opinion. Thank you so much. We're very happy to have you as our guest as well. An, an honor to have your time this evening. And thank you so much for informing our audience on this really, really important situation. And yet again, another attack on Venezuela. And so I hope you join us again as we follow this case. 
And I want to remind our audience that you have been listening to What the F is Going On in Latin America and the Caribbean, Code Pink's weekly YouTube program of hot news out of the region. We broadcast uh, every Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Code Pink YouTube. And also, I should remind all of you to watch, uh, listen to uh, Code Pink Radio, which broadcasts every Thursday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern, out of New York City on WBAI and simulcast out of Washington, D.C. on WPFW. Both programs, Code Pink Radio and What the F is Going On in Latin America, can be found on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So thank you, everyone. Thank you for joining us. And thank you, Yvonne. An honor to have you with us. Thank you. Bye.